All right, all right, all right. Welcome to this episode of Warrior Week, Parables from the Pit. My guest this week on the podcast is Jeff. Warrior Week 56. Warrior Week 56. Almost a year from now, isn't it? Since March, yeah. March, yeah. So, Warrior Week 56, Jeff, Dr. Jeff. And uh, let's hear it, man. Um, talk to me when, when the... When you came, when you first came across the message of Warrior, what was your first experience with Warrior, Jeff? I joined uh, King's Kit Three, and I'd done lots and lots of self-help improvement programs and seminars, and I just wanted more. I was looking to expand and grow even more than I had before. What are what are some of the uh, what are some of the, the the stuff that you've done in the past? Uh, everything from uh, 19 years with uh, Tony Robbins, including uh, leading some of his medical teams. Wow. Bob Proctor and uh, numerous others uh, having to do with medication, uh, meditation, <laughs> having to do with uh, growth, having to do with business, some with relationships, uh, just all kinds of different walks of life. And I've probably spent $600,000 in the last 25 years on self-help and improvement programs wow man so you've invested in yourself talk to me about uh talk to me about uh, uh your experience with uh with tony robbins man what was that well it was a great experience it was really positive uh, met a lot of friends i uh, actually met my wife there really and uh yes in kona uh we were at uh life mastery uh one year and ended up meeting her and uh, spent hours and hours talking and people would see us talk and say get a room <laughs> <laughs> so, so you that, were part of the medical team I was, yes. Okay. Did you work with Tony directly time to time? Uh, not really. It, mo it was mostly helping his participants, some oh. of the crew, some of the volunteers, and just anybody that would get sick or hurt at the events. Oh, wow. And for uh, 19 years, that is? Yeah, I, I didn't miss one day with the Destiny Seminar. Not one. And sometimes they were twice a year, some more once a year. And oh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you did... You did one or two date with destiny a year. Yes, those that that was the one that you were at. That's the one I mainly helped support, and I did some others also. So, and you did not miss none in nineteen years, almost none of this one particular seminar. I didn't miss any of it. So I probably, I probably attended and or volunteered somewhere between thirty four and fifty. And as a week of your life too, right? Yes. Okay. So then you're you're matching a week of your life as as and you're there on demand part of support just just in case anybody feels yeah, 24 hours a day yes ah uh, 24 hour like well, with the pager available. yeah available. okay and uh, and were you the only doctor or there was an entire team usually I was the only one when we started out there was maybe me and a medic or me and a nurse and then as the years went by I'd have four or six or nine people on my team helping out. Oh, okay. Did you ever treat a Tony himself directly? or I never needed to. Never needed to. Okay. Man, this is great. <laughs> so uh, so then you must have been, uh, you must have been part of the, the main crew there for, for a while. I was uh, just a volunteer. Basically. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, this is great. So, uh, so, okay, so volunteer, you're not getting paid for that. Correct. Yeah, but it's because that's how Tony operates, right? Right. Uh, and uh, but then you get the benefit of of being part of the event and serving, being in that environment. Okay. Right. Talk to me about some of the growth that came from those experiences because they're fantastic. Well, date with destiny was the most impactful to me mm -hmm. because I practiced the first 15 years of my career with about what I would call 25 percent compassion. Okay. So I went from doing that to then going to 50 percent compassion with just one seminar. Then I went back and volunteered, and it improved even more. So that was the major shift for me. Wow. Uh, 
Okay. So how many years were you married? I'm still married uh, for 19 years now. 19 years now. Right. Okay. And uh, and uh, how many kids? I have uh, none from this marriage. I have three sons from two different marriages. Uh, one son and two stepsons. Okay. This current marriage is 19 years, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. And, uh, and uh, the previous marriage was how long? 10 years. 10 years. And, and there's five I, years between. Any children with this current marriage? No. Okay, so just the previous one. One son from the first marriage, right? One's, okay. All right. So talk to me about, you know, your, your uh, what attracted you even like do King's Kid? What was it that, uh, was it at the beginning just another, you know, yeah, you know, just, this looks like another personal development. Let me give it a try and... And, and, and then what happened? Well, somewhere along the way, I found out about Warrior Week. And for the last few years, I'd wanted some program to push me harder than I would ever push myself. Uh, lots of families grow up with no fathers, mm. so there's no male figure, so the mom is the dad. Mm. And I actually had a dad, but I wanted more, like a deeper um, experience. Mm -hmm. and so that's how where it started from. And so I joined the King's Kid 3 mm -hmm. and uh, thinking it might evolve to the next thing, the next thing. I really didn't know at first that I was going to do Warrior Week or not. Sure. Then what, what brought you to Warrior Week? Again, really wanting to push myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a pretty hard worker. I'm pretty uh, aggressive, compulsive, really uh, trying to make things happen. And, but there were still some parts that weren't working. Physically wasn't great. Relationships weren't great, and I wanted to push and make those even better. When when you joined uh, the experience, what deep down inside of your heart, what was the thing that you felt that was missing? Probably the biggest thing was connection with myself. Mm. I was so busy pushing and working, I didn't really take time for me and to be me. And when uh, obviously you go through Warrior Week, and the first night we go through the pit. Uh, talk to me about your experience that night and uh, some of the things that probably changed the course of your life. It was very deep. It was very dark. It was almost like being alone, but you weren't. Mm. And out of that came a hunger and a knowing that everything was going to be okay. Mm. And fast forward today, how's life? A year after that experience almost, um, you know, how does life look like today for you? Well, I've, I've always been pretty dedicated and, and uh, motivated. But what's different is I'm spending time in all four areas that we call the core four mm -hmm. that I didn't do before. I was very inconsistent spiritually. I was very inconsistent with relationships. I used to talk to my mom and dad every three or four months, whether I needed to or not. Mm -hmm. Same with my sons. I wouldn't connect with them very often. Um, that has grown immensely. I can talk to my parents every week now. Wow. And I talk and, and text to my sons almost daily, which, wow. is, which is a major, major shift. I meditate every day now, or before it was like every month or two when I got around to it. And uh, physically, I used to be really active when I was younger, but with uh, medicine work. Um, I just wasn't spending a lot of time doing, uh, you know, physical activities. So, so that's improved and increased also. So for 19 years, you commit to, to provide an active service multiple weeks a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what you were doing with, with the, uh, with the Tony Robbins group. Correct. Uh, but at the same time you were, uh, and still are a ER doctor and, uh, always wanted to be an ER because, uh, it just takes a different fucking animal to be an ER. Let's exactly. just put it that way. Right. Yeah. 
uh, you know, there are doctors and then there are doctors that are made for ER, which is uh, the unknown, which is the trauma, which is uh, perhaps often the dark side of a human, right? True. Uh, witnessing what, literally what another human can do to another one. Um, a lot of these, um, I, I know I had a couple of our guys, part of the SWAT team here, the police, and they would share with us like, hey man, there, there's a fucking dark side to the man um, that you don't see in war and military because it's kind of still structured. Uh, when you go inside of the civil world and you start looking at what another man can do to another man, uh, then, then like, fuck, you're not far from evil, right? And mm -hmm. so ER, you have to obviously deal with the victims of, of evil. Um, you shared with me uh, on our way here that in, your, in the course of your career, you have, uh, you have uh, healed and uh, assisted 190,000 uh, men or women or, and children, uh, optimally, like, ultimately 190,000 people, right, to be able to... Man, that that's that's some serious fucking karma points, right? That's to, a lot to, of hours in the ER. That's <laughs> a lot of hours in the ER, and I would say that you've uh, you've had a lot of karma in your karma pool, and a lot of hundred ninety thousand healed. And so let's talk about let's talk about uh, some of the worst cases that you've seen, right? Because this is where nobody talks about, right? Nobody knows what the fuck is going on with the stress of ER, the people that work in ER, the entire team inside of ER. You know, it's the doctor, the nurses, and, and, and everybody from the admin to everybody that deals with that aspect, which we call the front line humanity, right? The human disaster front line. And ultimately, at the same time, the, 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 the front line of healers, right? It's nice to do meditation. It's nice to put crystal on your nipples and, and wish for the best and all kind of shit. But when it comes to a fucking broken rib or an exploded fucking kidney inside of your body, uh, it, it's, it's time for ER. Like, where's the nice? Let me open it up and take the wound out. Talk to me about a few extreme cases that, uh, that you witness that would be worthwhile talking about here so that, you know, the audience understands, like, what, what, what is this beast that we're dealing with? It, you never know what to expect, for sure. <clears throat> And when people are hurting, they're in pain, whether emotional or physical, they don't present as their best. Mm. And so do their families. They want it fixed yesterday, mm. not tomorrow or in the future. Um, some of the worst things, um, for me, the worst thing is actually not pronouncing somebody dead, but having to tell the family members mm. that their loved one's no longer around. That's very challenging. And one of the most recent ones, was a 14-year-old boy Shit. who was autistic and couldn't speak. He had something called pica, which means they eat anything. They in eat the inside of their diaper or anything that is in their vision. Um, I'd seen this boy twice, and he actually came in, again, not speaking to anybody, and he came up and hugged me, and then he sat on my lap, and the grandmother said he never does that. He doesn't do that with his grandfather. And so I thought that was interesting, and then I saw him one more time, the next time I saw him, he had no life, and that was really hard. Uh, he had bruises everywhere. He'd been strapped down by his mom because she couldn't deal with him, and that's the case that's ongoing right now. But it's, it's very difficult emotionally for all the staff and myself. How many times you had you came across uh, announcing, you know, debt to members or? Well, fortunately, it's not often. It's for okay. me. It's only okay. it's only a couple times a year. Okay. You know, um, there may be some years where it's several, and in other years there's hardly any, and most of them e come in that way. 
Mm. There's hardly ever a case that comes in and they have any possibility of life where we can't turn things around, at least temporarily, stabilize them. So most of the time they either come in that way or they're on their last leg. And, uh, and it, it, would you say in ER, uh, you know, the work that you guys do in the front line there, um, what are most of the, the the dramas and the traumas related? Is it is it a lot of car accidents? Is it like what would you, if you have to categorize from all your years of experience? How how would you categorize the categories of of uh, of situations? I would say most of it's emotional. Probably, I would say between sixty to eighty five percent of everybody I see has a really significant psychological component. A lot wow. of times it's anxiety and stress, and that can be that. Anxiety can cause their physical symptoms, or it can cause more psychological symptoms. Wow, wow. And, and that's massive. It doesn't matter if they've got a cold or cough or bronchitis. You know, they could be whiny and wimpy because of how they're attaching the emotions to it. Um, and so there's lots of bad physical things. It seems to me the, the, with the really bad physical things, most people can just deal with it. Yeah. You know, even if I tell them they've got cancer, most people can, they'd rather know than not know. Right. Or have the uncer uncertainty is harder for a lot of people than actually knowing something bad is there. So uh, would, you, would you work at night shift or would you work day? Both. Both? Mm -hmm. Would you see more, cru uh, you know, more horrible stuff at night? Depending where I worked. If you worked in a place <laughs> where there's, you know, gangs yeah. or lots of night stuff going on, yes, at night. More than daytime. No, gun, 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 uh, gun wounds and yeah, knife. I, I've seen some of that. Fortunately, in my career, I have not worked in big cities. So yeah, okay. I've seen some occasionally. Most of it is like big tractors falling over on somebody, you know, that kind of stuff. Work-related accidents? Or, 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 yeah, sometimes a car accident or a truck accident where part of their body's ripped off. Wow. Know, that kind of stuff. A few self-inflicted where somebody took a, a gun and shot themselves. And uh, so there's been a couple of those, but not a whole lot. So then you would you would truly categorize eighty percent of it as being emotional. So whatever whatever the ins whatever the manifestation of it is, uh, it, it emotionally it becomes much better than what it is. Right. Much and cool. and when it is actually big, the emotional component seems to be much smaller. Such as these you know some of these big accidents when they right. come in, they seem to, you know, they seem to be in a place of completely helpless and. They and surrender. Deal right? with the physical better than a lot of people that have the emotional stuff. Wow. And what have you seen in uh, in children? Do you see a lot of uh, you know traumas with children? And except for the boy that I just said, uh, most of them it's just mostly viral or bacterial <coughs> infections. Of course, there's sports injuries and you know that a lot of that kind of stuff or car accidents also. But most of them is uh, anything from fever, nausea, vomiting, belly aches, the, the typical stuff. How has been the? Um, uh, let's talk about people, right? And. Uh, you know, you, you, like you bringing a kid with. I mean, I, I remember my uh, my son. We were in uh, we were in Las Vegas for vacation in the hotel, and uh, and he fell from uh, you know one of the. He kind of jumped from one of the chairs and he just landed wrongly on his forearms, mm -hmm. and his forearms was cracked in half, and uh, obviously he was just like bended, and and we panicked. Uh, we called uh, security of the hotel, and they brought in an ambulance, and we took him, and we went to the hospital. Um, and uh, and I, st I still remember him as a child. He was like seven, and he was just like, you know, all worried mm -hmm. about his arm being bent. And, mm -hmm. 
and the doctor came in and uh and it was uh um yeah it was a situation where they had to adjust it and uh and uh like literally adjust it and then put put it put mm-hmm. it in a but he, he waited like two hours before the doctor came in and 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 we I still remember the image of that. Mm-hmm. So he gets adjusted, goes through massive pain, and and you know we put the uh, um, the, the the temporary bandage on, and uh, we were asked to, when we come back to California for him to get you know further X-rays to see if anything was required or not. And uh, so I remember it was four or five hours, and I remember once the doctor adjusted, and I I, I truly remember the attitude of the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were in a place where, uh, w- like all our hopes was into that, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and like, there were people in the room, there were the nurses, mm-hmm. there were everybody else. But once that doctor came in, like he was the leader of right. that environment, Correct. like truly. And we were the followers <clears throat> and, and how he interacted with my son and how he announced the news to us felt like he's giving us, um, I don't know how to put this, felt like he's giving us like buckets of gold if we would go back in the days, right? Mm-hmm. And that 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 was, th- his attitude was like that. And I remember uh, me and my wife coming out of the, the hospital and all we would talk about was the attitude of the doctor, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> here's my son in the back and I'd, you know, we, we should be talking about him, right. but for somehow we were consumed about how we were treated. Mm-hmm. So I remember specifically, you know, we referred to how knowledgeable he was, mm-hmm. right? And also how how knowledgeable he was, how, how confident he was, how his certainty kind of poured into us and how we are leaving this sad environment, the hospital, uh, happy, despite the fact that, you know, and grateful, right? <laughs> Um, despite the fact that you know my son had a broken arm and and so on and so on, so I'm I'm sharing this experience with you because as as a patient on the other side, this is some of the uh, the the impact that perhaps is never spoken to someone like yourself, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Or at least not to the amount of details that I'm that I'm sharing with you here. Um, but that's that's the kind of impact that you would have in a, in a moment of of hope, right? Like that's the edge of hope for any parents or for anybody that has their their health in a situation that absolutely requires help. And that's the edge of hope. And when that's fulfilled with the right attitude and the certainty that you bring in, it changes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the doctor comes in with anxiety, if the doctor comes in with a closed mind mm-hmm. and a fatigued mind, and not reset his own energy before walking into the room, that has all the negative impact and its implication on all the patients and the patient's family. So what has been some of your experience with what I just shared with you, and maybe perhaps some of your patients shared that with you, and uh, what has been your experience with that, man? Well, what you said about leadership and certainty is, is definitely there. And with my experience, I come in and I pretty much know what's going on or I can figure it out very fast. So I will come in calm and certain. What happens sometimes is when you've seen some really bad stuff, then their thing may not be that bad. Yeah. And so I may have the attitude of it's not that bad. Yeah. Which they may want me to have more concern 
or more empathy maybe for them. Yeah. So that may be one place where I'm lacking a little bit yeah. uh, at times. How, uh, you know, I know this is another thing that some of the uh, ER doctors and healers uh, don't do often, which is receiving uh, re receiving uh, the thank yous and receiving the bottom line thank yous and receiving the, uh, the impact that you just had on the patient and their families. Um, I think if, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll let you share on this, but I think if, uh, if more and more of our doctors would open their valves or their heart to receive more, I think by default they'll gain more so they can give an even more. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I know I've lived most of my life with a closed heart. Mm. That's part of why I'm here mm. and working on myself to open my heart to have better, deeper, closer relationships. Um, the other side of that is of the 190,000 people I've seen, I've not gotten a whole lot of thanks. Mm. And it's not just that I don't receive it or didn't hear it. It just didn't happen. I see. Or, or not to me in front of me. It I does see. happen at times, and I'm, I really value that because yes. I don't see it a whole lot. So Got it. it. It's but I know for a fact that it's happening behind the scene because, you know, uh, like I said, the conversation with my wife and and uh, and her was like uh, just talking about that because my son a year later breaks his arm again and then we, we you know in the same spot mm -hmm. uh, when we come to Orange County and uh, we go see another doctor and uh, you know good doctor again and 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 uh, he adjusts the uh, the arm and uh, and then put put it in the cast he goes like it was total surprise to my son. And then, uh, but then he remembered the pain because it was horrible, the pain, right? Mm -hmm. So he remembered, even though it was one second, put in the cast, come back, take pictures to see if it's, yeah. looks at it again, says it needs to be readjusted again. Mm -hmm. right? It's just one of those cases. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're still uh, grateful because there's no surgery involved or metal plate. Um, but my son remembers now. Mm -hmm. So he comes and it's the same process and he's not buying to that. So my son starts like, like you know, crying or, mm -hmm. or not wanting to be there. And he thinks that I'm doing this to him now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, why wouldn't he? Like, he's not understanding the adjustment game, right? So, like, first time, it was surprise. Second time, it's like, hey, you put me in pain, man. Like, it's not the doctor. It's nobody else. It's you that doing this. Right. And, and I can't lie to him because if I lie to him, then, then, then I, like, I break this code that I created for him. So I'm, I'm going to have to tell him the truth and say, listen, man, like, this needs to get done again. And you're going to have to accept the pain, and it's going to be hard, and I'm going to be here. But, like, it's, there's no surprise. It's just going to happen. Mm -hmm. And well, he, he just, like, he just didn't want that, right, mm -hmm. as a kid. He's like, no. And, uh, and he's like, no, I'd like, it's, it's pleased. And it's like, it's not my choice. Like, we both have to do this. Mm -hmm. You have to take the pain, and I have to watch here and, and, and suffer through the fact that you're taking the pain. Of course, he's not understanding none of this shit because sure. he just doesn't want the pain. So, anyway, we do this. Again, it's a horrible second, but uh, but uh, he cries. We just three weeks later, we come back. We have to do it again. Mm. And uh, and at that point, I turn around to the say, you know what, man? Oh fuck it, we'll take a chance and let it be fucking crooked, and it, it'll you know we'll just take a fucking chance. Cause it's like, hey, we have to do justice again, or else the other the other thing is that you guys let it let it heal, and if if it heals right, it heals right, but it, it may not heal right, so he may not you know. Uh, be great at certain sports. I said, you know what, man? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing this again. Like I don't know what else to tell him this time. Mm -hmm. 
First time was a surprise to all of us. Second time is we're honest. Third time you give me a fucking third choice. I don't know what else what else to have beside honesty. So fuck you. <laughs> Meaning, you know, in a very nice way, they said, no, doc, we're not going to do that. And he was fine with it, right? So he wasn't, he just wanted to give us the option. Um, so total two different experiences, right? First experience in Vegas was very grateful. Second experience as if as if the doctor somehow was the villain. Mm -hmm. And uh, because he keeps fucking adjusting, mm -hmm. but then you leave that place. Two things. You leave that place not wanting to go back ever to that doctor. Right. Actually, none of them. Uh, but second part is is also, uh, it's like you're grateful, man, because, it, you know, there was still no surgery. Mm -hmm. And he gave you the knowledge and he presented the options. Right. And, uh, and at the end of it, that he did his part. Like he did the healing. And the consequences of anything that you've chosen post that is uh, is a choice, right? And and we all have to make those choices. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, majority of us looks for perfection, mm -hmm. that there is a perfect choice, right. that the arm should be perfect, so this and then. Um, and I think what truly matters is in that moment because what what I didn't know or anybody else wouldn't know is that coming out of that hospital like who's who knows coming out of that room or coming out of who knows that what, what happens next right. who knows what's guaranteed so i don't want to i don't want to exchange the the uh the now for the future i wanted to stay in the now right. and so we made a decision to uh to keep it as is and it's fine and everything's okay and stronger than ever um but th those are some of the, the the life lessons that all of us, all of us, including yourself sitting here, uh, lots of life lessons that comes from the ER. Yeah, exactly. From, from, we, you don't get that many lessons when you're fucking sick or you have the temperature or fever. You keep to forget a lot of those, although you're in a shitty place. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to emergency and medicine, uh, there are so many lessons that impact our choices and kind of like forms our character right. uh what has been your personal experience in witnessing and in some of your patients and as well as yourself there's so many different possibilities and aspects of that um trying to think what means the most for me um <clears throat> i loved what i do i still will keep doing it um the only challenge I have is if I was completely, totally, 100% financially independent, I'm not sure that I would do it in the ER, but I would do it somewhere. Mm. I would help and I would heal people wherever I am because I also do energy healing. Yes. Which you don't talk about in hospitals. No. But uh, sometimes people are open to that. And yeah. I've had some just amazing, phenomenal healings related to that. Yeah. It had nothing to do with giving a medicine, just using universal, yeah. you know, whatever you believe in, um, force and energy. Um, it's always more pleasant when there are pleasant patients, and but it challenges you more when they're not so pleasant. Yeah. For, for you to bring out your best side, um, and keep the attitude like you were talking about. You know, this concept of healing is uh, obviously not a new concept. It's been in existence for thousands of years. <clears throat> Modern medicine in the ER um, are just the edge of the edge of healing, like. In a modern world, like today, with all the possibilities of injuries, you know, you talk about bombs, you talk about fucking guns, and you talk about crazy things that humans do to each other. 
um, the ER becomes the edge, truly the edge of innovation. Um, and then, yes, there are so many other uh, healing practices there that uh, that continues that. Emotional healing is huge. Like you said, I, I'm very, very, um, yeah, 80% of, of that being emotional and, and like, Initially, 80% of that being the source of why they even got injured from the first fucking place mm -hmm. or they cultivated disease inside that have grown to that. Um, and a lot of that healing takes place with active services, you know, whether through energy um, or any other form of practice that is there to heal the emotional wounds. Um, because those emotional wounds would definitely uh, manifest themselves as physical wounds. And it's just a matter of time in one form and one shape or another. And so the, the, the practice of a healer is, is, uh, is who you are. It's not really what you do. It's, mm -hmm. it's, and so in the process of Warrior Week and exploring who you are, how much of that was confirmed to you during Warrior Week? And, uh, and, and can you share some of your, some of your experience with that? I'm not sure what you mean by that exactly. Just the, the fact that like, it clicked that you know, you're a healer for life and period. Yeah, it was just it was in me when I was a little boy. <laughs> I remember when being three, four, five years old. My, I was riding in the back of my grandmother's old Buick. Yeah, and she asked me if I would become a priest. Yeah, I said no. It's too hard on the knees, <laughs> <laughs> and that I would wanted to help people. So yeah. I thought about chiropractic. I thought about being an eye doctor, and then just ended up being a medical doctor. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, any final word to our audience before uh, we bring this up? I mean, what I say is that if you have a healing message that can go from your heart and just like an arrow target the heart of another man that may be listening to your voice on the other side of uh, this uh, microphone and conversation, um, what message would the healer bring to them? We all know so much more than we think we know. We don't listen. We don't pay attention sometimes. And I'm speaking to myself as much as to anybody else here. I know that I have grown and I've had more things happen from a healing point of view just by listening. And for me, I say it's I just know that I know. I don't, sometimes I don't know why or where it came from. And, of course, it came from the energy we're all part of. But um, pay attention to that inner voice. I used to do CAT scans and blood tests by the book based on the symptom. And now if I have a hunch about I should do that test, it's been phenomenal the last 17 years since I've started listening to that, how many times I've found stuff that I wouldn't have even found because I wouldn't have looked. Wow. Uh, so look inside as well as outside and pay attention to what other people are telling you too. Beautiful. Gentlemen, if you resonated with this podcast and some of the message inside of this podcast, you know what to do. Uh, we don't ask you to share this on Instagram, Facebook. It's not a matter of sharing with general population or becoming fucking popular. It's a matter of you taking that and packaging it and sending it like an arrow to the heart of a man that you know in your life. So if you feel that this is a message that could truly serve maybe a doctor that you have as a friend or maybe a patient that has relationship with a doctor that is unknown. And so whatever, whatever form or way that, this, that the message of today comes to you, take that and send it to another man that you've identified that could benefit from this. And if you want to find out more about this, you find us on warriorweeknow.com. There will be audio, video, and transcripts of the podcast today, and as well as you can find us on iTunes under Warrior Week Parables from the Pit. And if you like to continue your journey here inside of Warrior, the current journey inside of Warrior, you can find it at becomeaking.com. 
where we take you through the seven series of pitfalls of a man, of a modern man that, that could, we could all face. And inside of that, the journey that's presented um, in three format, the Warrior's Way journey, the King's journey, and as well as the Empire journey that will get you inside of the game here with us in Warrior. I want to thank my, my, my guest, Jeff, for being here. Thank you for being here and bringing you knowledge. And I uh, want to thank you guys for being uh, a loyal subscriber of this podcast and as well as the future ones to come. Gentlemen, have yourself a fantastic day.